when we came into church, um, we really felt the whole atmosphere was different. And that was not because of one person, it was the whole culture of the place. But everybody did their little bit. I can remember the first day quite vividly. It was really inviting. I can clearly remember being, being very welcomed. And instantly I was like, this is the place to be. You know, I was like, I felt comfortable, I felt at home, uh, it felt right. And I was like, okay, God, cool, thank you for this. And I've decided since then to get plugged into Auckland. I landed like within two weeks, Sam brought me along to curate and I was fully welcomed. Got plugged into the teams. The community would come together, bring food, and we'd all be able to eat together, talk, get closer. And yeah, so without a doubt, feel incredibly welcomed and would definitely consider myself a the impact that Curate is having on the world around us, like with the recovery and the addiction programs, um, yeah, it's just, it's so worth pouring into and it's such a reflection of the Kingdom of God. Of the people that were there when we started and what it is now, so many more people have enriched from all different walks of life. Uh, just like the guy with the fish and the bread, uh, that's all he had, but he had to give it all up and put it into God's hands where God did his thing. And then not only him, but everybody around him was blessed by it and in abundance. God has asked us to take a risk with our finances, to trust him with whatever we have, not to wait until we have plenty, but to just to do with what we have now. Yeah, I guess for one more, again, <laughs> A lot of friends and people in my classes at university and whatnot. Um, but my my brother and my dad, yeah, that would be a miracle. I'd say definitely my sister, um, a couple of friends I've got in uni as well, quite a few. These children, these grandchildren, these brothers and sisters, and all their families, and then these cousins. The story is not meant to end with just the one. I come from a very, very big family, so there's not room for one more, <laughs> room for 100 people, you know? So I'm a room for one. My husband does, you do, everybody else does. So that's how it starts. Beautiful. It's what it's all about, eh? Welcome, welcome to Curate this morning. Um, gosh, this is that's what it's all about, making room for one more. Uh, one of the young men who was speaking, who I know from our Curate Auckland location, I got to be there as he was being baptised. And what was quite cool was before the gathering, I was just introducing myself to a family that I had never known before. And they said, we've come from Christchurch. Our son is getting baptised. We've been praying for him for forever and none of us know what's going on. He just texted us last week to say, I'm getting baptised, do you want to come? So they all booked their flights, flew up and they said, we are really looking forward to hearing about how on earth he found the Lord and what is going on. And just so beautiful that um, his friend Sam 
um, who was in the same um, dorm rooms as him at university, just said to him, "Hey, like, do you want to come along? Do you do you want to do you want to know where I'm going every Sunday and every Wednesday morning to pray? And do you want to come and be part of it?" And that is what it is all about. And so we have got these pamphlets on your seats. Each of you can pick them up if you like. They're, they're probably under your seats now. I would love for you, um, we can have a little look at them in a moment, but on there is these little um, who's your one more card. I remember one year writing my brother's name on this. And then it was so special to see him find Jesus and be baptised. And we were dedicating his daughter here not too long ago. So write, your, write the names of your loved ones um, that need the saving love of Jesus. And as we do that and we pin them up on that wall and we bring them home and we pray over them, we just know that God is going to meet them where they are at. He's going to speak to them and it's a beautiful journey. Um, so this year will be our 10th offering, our 10th offering. And it just, it's kind of crazy to me. I've been there for all of them, obviously. Um, but just how far we've come in 10 years. Um, in 10 years, we've gone from, well, actually in 12 years, we've gone from 60 people to having no money, in fact, just a lot of debt. And gosh, we've been able to expand. We've been able to plant churches in Fakatane, we invested in a church there. We, um, when Steve and Marin were pastoring, we managed to get a building and build a community. And then eventually we got to pray in Sam and Sam, um, who are now the pastors there of Echo Church. And they are flourishing and doing a great job. And I love that we were a part of that. And um, we got to buy this building. This was so huge. And I even remember um, the day that we paid off the mortgage of this building. Joel and I took the kids out for ice cream and we just were like, wow, we're like a grown-up church now. Um, you know, we got to plant Curate Auckland and it is so beautiful what God is doing in that community. It's, it's no small thing. You know, we, um, we started, we purchased and are, are paying off the Tauranga location, which we are working towards giving that land away, which is really exciting. And I love the hand of God upon that. Um, we've purchased seven hectares of land in Papamoa. It's, um, if you don't know where that is, that is if, you're, if you come from the highway, I'm terrible at directions, and you're going up Domain Road, there's all of this empty land like across from my favourite place, the Waipuna Hospice Op Shop. Um, and, and on the other side of the road, there's a lot of land there and seven hectares of that is dedicated to the Lord and His purposes um, to see a church that will last the generations. Um, and we've been able to give away almost $1.9 million to Curate Cares, which is pretty astounding. It's, it's beautiful what we've been able to do. And, you know, I know that because times are, are tough at the moment for so many um, financially, our, our pastor's heart was really um, thinking about you all and how you would feel about um, the offering this year. But if you missed it last week, we just want you to know that the most important thing is that you keep walking towards Jesus. 
Keep walking towards Jesus. That is the most important thing. And for some of you here, perhaps giving towards a special offering is a step out of your reach in your faith journey right now. And we just wanted to say to you that that is completely okay. Just keep walking towards Jesus. Keep talking to Him. Um, We're so glad you're here. And be part of the journey in faith um, with the one mores. And you know, for many of you, giving a special gift in the offering each year is something that you look forward to. And so this year, I want to share what we're uh, giving towards. You can get out your your pamphlet if you like. Um, And it says, Our Future Home. So Curate Mount Maunganui has been blessed with a great facility over the years. It's debt-free and in a great location. However, it has never been able to house the fullness of the life of this church. Our ministries, programs and operations are spread out over four facilities and we still don't have adequate space for everything we currently do, let alone for our future dreams. We dream of a future home for our church that will cater for generations to come. A facility not just for our church, but for our city. And so we, um, so the offering is going to be going towards paying off that land in Papamoa. And then the other thing we're giving to is the Curate Cares Foundation. You can see that on there. And I'm just going to read that out too. It's been a dream of ours for a long time to create a foundation that would expand our Curate Cares impact. The Curate Cares Foundation will, not, will be a not-for-profit trust that engages in the business space for the purpose of distributing profits to Curate Cares initiatives. The foundation will be a place people can give to, bequest to, and know that their gifts will keep on giving for decades to come. Pretty cool. So, so we have got also these little envelopes that are are attached to this whole thing. And so what I'd love for you guys to do is to just take this home really and just take these envelopes home and then over the week in prayer and your time with God, with your family, have a little pray and think about what what you're going to do, what offering you would like to bring to the Lord if that's where you're at so that on Sunday, this coming Sunday, you're just ready, um, it's all done. So that's what we would love and inviting you into. Does that sound good? Awesome. It does? Great. (laughs) I'm glad. Okay. We are going to pray and we're going to continue on with Philippians. All right. Let's pray, shall we? Hmm. Heavenly Father, it is so good to be in your house. It is so good to worship you, to bring our sacrifice of praise to bring our offerings to you. We love you. We love your church. We love what, you do, what you're doing. We thank you, Lord, that you're not finished. We thank you, Lord, that you're just getting started. We thank you, Lord, that you're doing something new. We thank you, Lord, that you are shaping us, that you are moulding us, that you are cutting away, that you are sowing, that you are planting so that we would be the church that the future generations need. So we thank You, Lord, for all that You're doing and we welcome You, Holy Spirit, today. Guide us, Lord. Be with us. Speak to us. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Right, give me a second, please. I've just got so much paraphernalia up here. Okay, this isn't one of them. (laughs) The Word of God. (laughs) 
I had a really funny moment. I was in Byron Bay and I um, had my Bible and I was sitting up on a bench seat and I was just reading my Bible and this hippie as guy, which, you know, is just standard for Byron Bay, <laughs> came and sat next to me and he looked over and he goes, hmm, Buddhism. <laughs> and I went, oh, it's the Word of God. <laughs> it's the Bible. <laughs> and he was like, oh. <laughs> And he's like, yeah, okay, yeah, I like to kind of pick and choose as well. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> For me, it, it, it's just Jesus. <laughs> and he said to me after a little while, he said, Katie, may I invite you to read me a psalm? And I said, you may. <laughs> and I read him Psalm 91. <laughs> the Lord is at work. All right, so we're up to Philippians. I'm actually being naughty because I'm supposed to skip a little bit, but um, I don't want to. <laughs> so anyway, I didn't need to announce that. Okay, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. If you're following along, Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you to will and to act in order to fulfill His good purpose. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ. That's the day that he talked about just in the passage before, the day that every, name, that every knee shall bow on earth and in heaven and under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's the day of Christ, that I did not run or labour in vain. But even if I'm being poured out like a drink offering on the sacrifice and service coming from your faith, I am glad and rejoice with you all. So you too should be glad and rejoice with me. So I want to focus on Philippians 14 to 16. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labour in vain. Do everything without grumbling and arguing. How are you doing with that? How are you doing with that? I wonder, yes, yeah, challenging, right? I wonder if your words were recorded, how much grumbling would there be? How much complaining? How much arguing? I was confronted because when I go to God to examine my heart, it's not going to God to... It, it's like a little chicken when I go to God just to see how I'm doing, not, not in like a spirit of I need to be perfect, but in the pursuit of becoming like Christ. When I go to God to examine my heart and my motives, I often, the first thing I don't go to is, how's my complaining levels, right? 
It's, I, I'm usually like, how am I doing loving the people? How am I doing with this? How am I doing with this? But I don't often go to, and how am I going with my complaining? And you know, my sense is that the overall atmosphere <laughs> in society and around us, there's an increase of grumbling. That would be my sense. And gosh, it's a wearisome atmosphere, isn't it? And perhaps the, uh, an increase of grumbling in us. If um, in, in this verse, Paul, I mean, he's so clever. He knew all the Scriptures. And so in this verse, he's actually pointing to another time where the grumbling increased. See, he used almost the exact words spoken in Deuteronomy to the people of Israel as they are walking through the wilderness. And if you're to read the story of Moses who led the, who led the Israelites out of the wilderness, out of the slavery in Egypt and into the wilderness on the journey to the promised land, what marks that journey is so much complaining. It's so much grumbling. They, they were grumbling, okay, they didn't have enough water. That's fair, they'd die. He gave them water. They didn't have enough food. He, he gave them food from heaven. And then they got sick of that food. They're complaining about that. So he gives them meat. Then it was too much meat. And then they're complaining that they have to keep on moving. And then they're complaining that because they don't have a place, they don't have city walls around them to protect them, not trusting that God could protect them. They're complaining that perhaps their children are gonna be slaughtered. And, and they just complained, complained, complained. And I read this afresh and gosh, I felt sorry for Moses. This poor guy, he's just trying to lead them through a tough circumstance and they are just complaining, complaining, complaining. At one point he cries out to God and he says, you need to help me because these people, they're actually, they're about to stone me. <laughs> and they were, they wanted to get rid of him. They wanted to select a new leader to lead them back to their slavery, back to what they knew. So much complaining. And here's what is quite confronting. God was so displeased with their constant complaints that He revoked His promise to them. Numbers 14, 26. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, how long will this wicked community grumble against me? I've heard the complaints of these grumbling Israelites. So tell them, as surely as I live, declares the Lord, and this is scary, I will do the very thing I heard you say. They were complaining that they were gonna die in the wilderness. In this wilderness, you will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who was counted in the census and who has grumbled against me, none of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb and Joshua. Except Caleb and Joshua. They weren't part of the complaining. They weren't part of the grumbling. And they stood out among their generation. They stood out, I'm sure, within their community, but they definitely stood out to God. Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will shine among them 
like stars in the sky, like light. What's he saying? He's saying when you cease to complain, when you cease to grumble in a grumbling generation, you will stand out like lights in the sky. I think we can get familiar with this metaphor. So if any, if any of you are scared of the dark, I'm gonna give you a minute to just head on out. If you don't start moving, I'm gonna assume you're all good and we're gonna turn out the lights. And I'm gonna turn this thing down if I know how to do things like that. Okay, Lyndon, you scared of the dark? No, okay. All right, flick them off. Let's flick them all off. Something. I don't know if we can get darker than this. Perhaps. Can we? Can we turn off the screens? Can we? Or no? Am I asking too much? Okay. Maybe I am. So in an increasing grumbly culture, I mean, it's dim. Oh, all right. Are we in the dark? Can you see this? This is what it begins to look like. In an increasingly grumbling culture, when someone ceases to complain, when they cease to join in with the grumbling, when they exchange complaining, arguing, with expressed gratitude, with praise, with words of love, hope and encouragement. When they speak blessing in life, when they stop complaining about their problems, <laughs> the people in their life, food prices, gosh, that's me. When we stop grumbling about all of these things, and instead of grumbling and complaining about them, we bring our problems to the Lord. See, the thing with complaints is that when we start complaining about our problems and complaining and complaining, it actually just increases our stress level. But when we bring our, when we bring our problems to God, it brings peace. And I really felt like the Holy Spirit was calling us to a higher standard today. After all, how can we bear the image of Christ if we are complaining just as much as the culture around us? We can turn on the lights. Here we are. It's amazing how you stand out. I remember being in my early 20s and I was walking with some friends and they were talking about someone in our life and they were a challenge. And one of them said, hands up, who thinks that person is this? And they all went, me. And I just stayed quiet and kept my hand down. And they all just turned to me. And I thought, isn't that so interesting that my silence and my stillness was louder than their words and their actions? But you know, not grumbling is quite tough when you're in a wilderness season, isn't it? Like the Israelites, 
when things are really hard, when emotions are high and you're stretched and you're pressed, it's like it feels like it's right here. And that's what, it, that's what it can feel like for me when I'm going through hard times. It's like it feels like the grumbling, the complaints are like right here. And so we've got a slide of what my last season has felt like walking with the Lord. <laughs> you see that? For those of you who are listening to the podcast, it's a woman, a smaller woman, and a taller woman's behind her holding her hand over her mouth. And the smaller woman says me and the taller woman says the Holy Ghost. That's what it's felt like. And, and I tell you what, if we don't actually listen to the Holy Spirit, if we don't listen to those checks, if we ignore the Holy Spirit and we just let it come out, we're gonna stop hearing Him. And we're gonna start to look just like everybody else. And gosh, I just think we have to swallow those things so that we can bear Christ's image in a world that desperately needs Him. The world needs a whole lot more of Jesus. And how are we gonna get more of Jesus into our communities? It's with more image bearers. More image bearers. Okay, we're gonna move on to Philippians 2 verse 19. Okay. And we're going to look at how to play our part in seeing the kingdom of God expand in the most natural and supernatural ways. Timothy um, and Epaphroditus says, I hope in the Lord to send Timothy to you soon so that I may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have no one else like him. Remember, this is Paul. He's in prison. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. For everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know that Timothy has proven himself because as a son with his father, he has served me in the work of the gospel. I hope therefore to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. And I am confident in the Lord that I myself will come soon. But I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus, my brother, co-worker and fellow soldier, who was also your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. For he longs for all of you and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but also on me, to spare me the sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him, so that when you see him again, you may be glad, and I may have less anxiety. So then welcome him and the Lord with great joy, and honour people like him, because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help that you yourselves could not give me. So we're going to look at one church and two people who played their part in making the book of Philippians a reality, a book that has been bringing and imparting wisdom for thousands of generations. So first we had the church of Philippi, so the church that Paul had planted. So Paul is in prison and in that time when you're in prison, you didn't get meals, you didn't get anything, you relied on your family and you relied on your friends to provide for your needs. And so the church of Philippi, 
Philippi heard that he was in prison. They wanted to provide for him. So each of them brought what they had. You know, they, they don't just give you blank scrolls and ink and pens in there so you can write the New Testament. You know, people actually have to bring you that stuff and water and food to sustain you so you can actually do the work of the Lord. So they, they brought together this gift and that was them playing their part. Beautiful, just a simple act of generosity. And look at the fruit, amazing. And then we had Epiphroditus. So he's the guy that volunteered to, to pick up this gift and to carry it all the way from Philippi to Rome, where Paul was in prison. Amazing, he nearly died, it said, on the journey. He got so, so sick. But what was really cool is that, yes, that was a real practical gift from him. That was really practical for him playing his part by bringing that gift to him. But he also was the gift. Paul called him the minister of my need. So he not only came with the gift, he came to be the gift. He came to stay with Paul, to meet his needs, to, to look after him, which is amazing, this practical way of playing his part. And then we have Timothy. Timothy, who we know from the beginning of the book, he helped write the book of Philippians. He helped write this letter, which means much of this wisdom is actually um, a gift from Timothy. And what I also love about Timothy is that he was there, he was serving with Paul, but then Paul says, hey, I'm, I'm looking forward to sending Timothy. So he's there, he's serving with Paul, but he's also willing to be sent and I love that about Timothy. I love the way he played his part in that way. You know, in churches, it's normal that 30% bring enough service and enough gifts for the 100. That's normal. And gosh, I've just been praying. I've been praying that God would stir the hearts of His sons and His daughters so it wouldn't be this 20 to 30% bringing enough service and gifts for the 100, but all would learn to play their part, to play their part, whether it's practical like Epiphroditus in a way that you do it. Gosh, I've been praying that those with the gift of encouragement would rise up and encourage I've been praying that those with the gift of teaching would find those that are new to their faith and would make sure that they understand the good news of Jesus. I've been praying that those with the gift of faith would come to prayer meetings, that they would show up to small groups in order to lift the level of faith and play their part. I've been praying that those with the gift of administration would administrate so that the work of the ministry could be released. I've been praying that those with the gift of hospitality would open up their homes to the lonely and to those that need love and care. The church in Philippi, Epiphroditus, Timothy, Paul, they all played their part. They all carried this missional heart of here I am, send me, send me. I'm going to finish here so the band can come up. I want us to look at Isaiah 6 verse 1. So what's happening here is Isaiah, who is a prophet, he has this vision and he's caught up in the throne room of God. And this is what he sees. 
I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne and the train of His robe filled the temple. Attending Him were two mighty seraphim, each having six wings, with two wings to cover their faces, with two to cover their feet, and with two they flew. And they were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. And the whole earth is filled with His glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations and the entire building was filled with smoke. And then I said, this is Isaiah, it's all over, I'm doomed for I am a sinful man. I have filthy lips and I live among people with filthy lips. It's the speech again. Yet I have seen the King of the Lord of heaven's armies. I'm dead, he says. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal that he had taken from the altar and a pair of tongs, with a pair of tongs. And he touched my lips. And with it, he said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? And I said, here I am, Lord, send me. How did he go? from saying, I'm doomed, (laughs) I'm dead. To a minute later, being in the same presence of the most holy God with such confidence, say, here I am, send me. What happened? His sins were forgiven. When Jesus went to the cross, He took our sins upon Him. Your sins are forgiven. You have been made clean. Yet many of us allow the word of the enemy, the whisper of the enemy to tell us that we're not good enough because of those sins. Jesus has removed those sins from your life. He tries to whisper so that we will have guilt, a guilt that will hold us back from confidently and fully participating in the story of God, that would hold us back from playing our part in our unique way. And I tell you, there is nothing that ushers us to the sidelines more than a small opinion of ourselves. And you need to know that you have been forgiven. And you need to know that in the sight of God, you are holy. You have been made clean. You are washed with the blood of Christ. You are righteous. He sees you as beautiful, as set apart, as good. You need to know that as far as the East is from the West, so far are your transgressions from you. And it's in that, knowledge that we have the confidence to say, oh yes, Lord, 
send me. I acknowledge that You have anointed me with Your Holy Spirit to go into the world and to make disciples as only I would. Here I am, Lord, send me. In these dark days, let me be a light, not grumbling, not complaining, but partnering with words of faith, with words of life, holding fast to the Word of God that tells me who I am and tells me who the Lord is. And in that spirit, here I am, Lord. No task is too big, no task is too small. No more will I listen to the voice that says, who are you to do this? I listen to your voice that says, will you do this? St. Francis said, we all have a vocation. We believe that God has placed us in this life to fulfill a special need that no one else can accomplish. Stand with me and let's pray, shall we, church? If you're comfortable, would you just lift your hands to heaven? I believe many of you are receiving a call from Him. Many of you are feeling that call again. Oh, Father God, break our heart, Lord, for what breaks yours. Break our heart for the lost for those living in darkness, for those who don't have the light. Break our heart, Lord. Help us to realise that this is so much more than just what's going on in our life, Lord, that we are part of the most remarkable story. Help us to remember Jesus that now is the time for Your Kingdom to advance. We rebuke the voice of the enemy that would say, we're not good enough to play our part. And we welcome the voice of the Holy God that says that we are. We thank You for Your grace. We thank You that You have set us apart. And Lord, we honour You. Holy Spirit, fill us afresh so that we might go out into the world and may we remember that moment when the lights go off, that that's what it's like. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen. Awesome.